Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca. really grateful just for the sense of his presence right now because I just feel like what I'm going to speak on today it it needs to land in a good space everything always needs to land in a good space but for what the Lord wants to do I feel like it's something that we really need to to receive and it's one of those things that I think you can receive or not you know Uh, it might just be held you know in held out there like okay you know, I hear what you're saying but it doesn't actually penetrate and so yeah I just really want to encourage you to remain in this amazing sense of God's presence um, I feel like stuff has shifted in, in this time now in that worship even in the prayer meeting beforehand we we spoke about like or we prayed like Jesus let your kingdom come let it advance let your kingdom advance in every single one of our our hearts, because we all need something different today, don't we? Not one of us is the same, not one of us has the same background, and we need the, the kingdom to just grow that and advance and expand in our hearts today. So, Ant was talking earlier about her journaling course, and if you know us for any length of time, uh, you know that journaling the, the Lord's voice, writing down what the Lord says to us, is a very big part of our values. It's a uh, it's something that we we thrive on. We all need to thrive on hearing the words, uh, the Lord's voice. But actually, journaling it, writing down, and landing in what the Father has to say to us, is such an important thing. And um, so, I really want to encourage you to go to Anne's course um, because it's about landing in the Father's voice. And you know, many of us have blocks around journaling, but go to that. In I think it's in about three weeks, Auntie. Yeah. Yeah. Third of November, yeah, before they get full, full up too quickly. So I was journaling the Lord's voice this week, um, and I've been, I've been contemplating this thing of expansion of His kingdom, of like things in, of increase, of, of yeah, just of things expanding in our lives. I mean, how many of you here are trusting for increase in whatever form that is? It's, there's expanse. We none of us want to just stay. Same old, same old. There's, there's growth, there's expansion. That's something that's part of who we are. We're designed to expand, right? And um, so I've been thinking about this, and I've been thinking about like what kind of a, like how I need to be positioned for the Lord to pour out increase. And so it's very much around Him speaking, like I spoke earlier, of those, the clouds building up and things about to burst. Like there's this pregnancy of the Lord going to do an amazing, like amazing work. Um, in the city, in us, individually, corporately, in the city and the nation, about him pouring out revival and things to do with revival, with hearts coming alive, with miracles, with a massive thing on financial breakthrough. I feel like there is going to be incredible financial breakthrough over this, over this community in terms, of, in terms of increase. And I want to talk about that, as I said, in the next couple of weeks. But from that sort of place of like, oh my word, the Lord is wanting to pour out how do I need to position myself to receive that um, as a, you know, can I say as like a vessel, so to speak, to, to receive that? Because you can't get, if something's going to get poured out and there's nothing to pour out into and it just, nothing happens much, right? But if we can pour out and then how do we position ourselves to actually contain that 
and to actually uh, serve and actually um, yeah, pour that out again to others. So this, is, yeah, so this is what he said to me as I was journaling and writing down. He said, I have created you to be loved, accepted in family, and from that place to live out what my family looks like to the earth. Family is our starting point. It's wonderful. I've given you all my authority and left you with no lack so that you can represent me as kings and priests. And that's the thing, that, that thing of like kings and priests is what he has landed at. And so today what I want to do, talk about and highlight from that was two things. One, family. And then the second thing, um, us learning how to live like kings and priests. I think if you've been onto our website, if you haven't, go and check on our website. You're the collective family. See what our core values are and what we, what we, what we stand for. Because I don't think we've spoken about them specifically. Although we weave them into every preach, these five core values are being weaved in deliberately as we preach. But go and read it on the website. And um, they, they family, they worship wholehearted living, living like we are all wells. We have deep wells within us and also dreaming with God. And so landing off that thing of our starting place for doing any of the things we're talking about, living as kings and priests, is family. Um, I love what Jonathan Helser says. The more heaven comes to earth, the more earth looks like family. That's what the earth, when there's revival around us, it starts to look like family. And so that's why I was saying earlier, I think it's so important that we start to contemplate what this looks like as part of the vessels that his outpouring is going to land on that needs to land in family otherwise um, it just can't be contained so this is from our website um, a paragraph on family the holy spirit draws us into family where we get to champion each other's hearts to live whole to be known and to pursue the dream of living the life we were created to live we don't follow Jesus as individuals only, but as family, a family of believers consumed with his power, love, and presence. And we long to see others come home through Jesus to the Father. And so family is our starting point. I mean, we started being welcomed in by the Trinity. You know, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit welcoming us in into the Father. That is our starting point from which we do everything. And then also our starting point is family like this. Things don't work when family doesn't work together. We designed for this to be in family. Um, and so just on a, on a personal front, so this thing of kings and priests and learning how to serve, um, when we do that and when that finds its right place, joy and peace starts to, to manifest in our, in our around us as we bring his kingdom right as we as we learn to and we choose to serve so an aspect of what you're talking about today is a king and priest a king who rules and a priest who who serves and um when we choose to do that change happens you know we, we've had a little bit of a hard week uh, kids getting sick one after each other and um so we get to yesterday and now kirsty is not well and, and down but we like she's like no this is not a cool atmosphere in the house of sickness and like just being all bogged down. Like we're going to stand, we're going to stand, we're going to choose to, to bring change. So she's like, oh, let's go out, you know, take a drive out to Leafy Greens. Has any of you, have any of you been to Leafy Greens? Um, let's go have some cheesecake there. Let's just, let's go out, let's adventure. Let's, let's just, let's change the atmosphere in the home. 
But the kids were like pretty wiped out from the week. So like, oh no, we, that's amazing, mom. We'd love to do that. But like, we're really tired. So let's just, can we do something like here maybe? And so we thought, okay. She said, oh, well, let's eat something amazing then. You know, let's just, so we together, like mom and dad, we made a choice to serve the family. I was feeling pretty lousy, a bit fluey. So I took panados. And I went out to Dunkeld Fisheries where I met Carolyn, who was also buying some fish. Because I thought, let me go and make, I said, what about an amazing paella? Because we love food and we love celebrating around food as a, as a family. And so from a place of just like you could be like just, you know, in front of the TV or whatever, just with a bad atmosphere. So no, we choose to serve the family. Don't feel right. Go out, buy food, come and cook for hours. While I'm cooking, Kirsty's like, okay, guys, we're going to paint, you know? And so they brought out the little canvases and they started creating these little galaxies. And just like in that moment of choosing to serve, to, to be a priest, so to speak, and serve in those moments and just change, it brings kingdom, right? Those are holy moments when family and atmospheres and environments turn around and, and joy and life comes into family. That is kingdom. And so, <clears throat> isn't it amazing? Our starting point is, is family, is Jesus. But then he is our, we are his choice. He chooses to work through us, for us to represent him. As amazing, powerful God, he chooses us as human beings for us to, to work through him. Uh, sorry, for him to work through us and carry out his work, his um, plans for, for the earth. We've spoken about this quite a few times. I think I might have even spoken about uh, two Sundays ago, but that our design starts with family. Adam, Eve in the garden made for family. He designs them out of his beautiful family. He designs them and the father walks with them. And he says, even there, it's not good for man to be alone. So he, he endorses and creates family. But then what does he do? He chooses to bring about his will for this earth out through from that place of family. He gets Adam to name the animals. He's just created this most beautiful creation and he works with Adam and he says, Adam, partner with me and name these animals and starts to, um, yeah, to, to, to work through Adam and to name and to rule. So he gets to partner with God and to also rule family, partnership with God and ruling. And it says that in, in Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And I, I love the way the message puts that, that, uh, that blessing. God blessed them, prosper, exclamation, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. That's our original design from the very beginning outside of family was be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion, take charge to be kings, actually. And so our original design was to be kings. So right from the beginning, the earth was ours and it was the father's and we were, we were ruling in that place. But then the fall happened with Adam and Satan came in and gained authority, didn't he? And, and took charge. But, and I think that's why we, we read in, um, in Matthew 4, the fact that 
Satan actually had authority. He offered to give the kingdoms of this world back to Jesus. Like he actually, he wouldn't if he didn't have any authority to do that. But he says that he, he, he could offer it back to him. Um, in 4 verse 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these I will give to you. Satan, I will give that to you if you fall down and worship me. But that's why Jesus came back, right? To take back the keys of the kingdom and to give us and to bring us back into our right standing. And so what's amazing for me is that the three and a half years of Jesus's ministry was all about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 4.23, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So this kingdom that Jesus speaks of, I think it's mentioned about 147 times in the New Testament. 70 of those 147 times is Jesus speaking about the gospel, uh, the gospel of the kingdom. I think 54 times in, in Matthew. So 70 times Jesus speaks about the gospel of the kingdom, of this kingdom that is bringing thing. It was a big part of, um, of his message, <clears throat> much more than he spoke about salvation. It was always about the gospel of the kingdom. So now obviously the gospel is an integral part of the kingdom <clears throat> and bringing that to earth. But what I wanted to say today, if that was how much Jesus focused on it, there was much more to the kingdom than salvation. It's like the, the gospel of God's kingdom is the central axle around which everything else works. That the creator, his, his father, Jesus creator, what he wanted to do in the earth, God, the gospel of salvation was the, uh, sorry, the gospel of the kingdom was the central axle. All of these things that he wants to do in our lives focuses and centralizes around that. And I think we can see that very clearly in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, obviously, he spoke about it so many times, but then he culminates it in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 9 and 11. when Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus' central message was for us to bring heaven to earth, for his Father's kingdom, his reign, his dominion to be established. And he has all authority to do that, doesn't he? Uh, Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus speaking to, to Peter. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It was all about that, about bringing his kingdom and releasing it on the earth. And so salvation is the doorway into the kingdom. It's our start point. It's our middle point. It's our end point. It's salvation. It's all about salvation. It's all about a gospel of grace. As you enter as you walk in the kingdom, as we end, it's all about God's kingdom. And so I just want to highlight that because I'm not playing down salvation by any means. I'm trying to highlight the importance of what Jesus was bringing about his kingdom coming. <clears throat> because what does salvation do? <clears throat> it marks us, it sets us apart, it makes us completely brand new, and it welcomes us in as kings into his family. And it also empowers us to live as sons and daughters of the king. 
And so when we get saved, we are made into royalty. It's a really big deal when you get saved. You're made into a brand new creation. You're made as royalty. Yeah, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, you're a, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You've been made holy, guys. And I love the Passion Translation at the end of that verse. It goes on to say, He did this so that you would broadcast His glorious wonders throughout the earth. Isn't that beautiful that we get to broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world? Have you ever wondered why human beings are so enthralled or captivated with royalty or even celebrity? Hey, we quite people are captivated with royalty and celebrity. People lose their minds for a celeb, you know, it could even be yeah, anyone. Um, and I, I want to propose to you, it's because royalty is in our DNA. The very DNA, there's a longing for that to become real in our lives, to become royal, because it's our, it's our story, right? It's the peasant to princess story. Think about um, Meghan uh, Markle that just got married into royal family. I mean, it just like rocks everyone's mind. It's the peasant to princess, somebody from nothing really being welcomed into a royal family and people just go, go crazy for us. And I think it's because it touches something deep inside of us. There's like a deep, you know, when it's something that bypasses the brain, goes straight to the heart. It's like a deep calling to deep. Um, it's so captivating because it's actually prophesying your story. Peasant to princess, you know, and... Um, yeah, I think subconsciously your spirit is calling out, that's for me. And that's why we're so drawn to it. And we can get so drawn to it. And I put, in, I put celebrity in that sphere as well. People go crazy for celebs. And I think similarly, subconsciously, when you are not living out your royalty, when you're not living in like the abundance and the fruitfulness and the, all of the things that are part of his kingdom, subconsciously your spirit again bypassing the mind is speaking to your soul and saying you're actually living a subgrade a subpar like a lower life than what you were called to and so we see celeb and we get pulled into this wonder but subconsciously when we're not living that out in the true realities of what this kingdom should look like there's a subconscious disconnect um, that we yeah are living a subpar life because all of us long for greatness. I think all people long for greatness. And I think it's that way because everyone is designed for greatness. It's not just for some. All of us are called to exercise authority uh, in the kingdom. You know, the, the Old Testament, some very special people were anointed and called to be kings and priests. Some you had to be in a certain family, you had to flow down that bloodline, but there was an anointing, there was a very special thing for a very few people to be king and to be priest. That was the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we all called to be priests and kings. Not one person gets left out. It's an incredible explosion of God's kingdom, of God choosing to work through a few kings and priests versus Jesus coming New Testament, all of us kings and priests. Can you imagine when everyone starts to live in their king and priest nature, what actually starts to happen? It's extremely powerful.
Um, yeah, we get to rule as kings and serve as priests to God and to, to each other. Revelation 1 verse 6 says, And to the one who has made us to rule as a, knightly, uh, sorry, as a kingly priesthood, that kingly priesthood, the, the footnote there is, is kings and priests. So to the one who has made us to rule as kings and priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion throughout the eternities of eternities. Amen. Um, so from there, our, it, it, it explains our main design and commission. It says, to the one who has made us to rule as kings and priests. We have been made to rule as kings and priests. It's your original design. It's your main commission, actually, um, to rule as kings and priests and to establish his kingdom on this earth. And what I also love there is that it, it speaks of us in the end there to him, his glory and dominion. We get to usher in the Father's glory and dominion to the earth. Again, our original design, partner with us to bring his glory and his dominion. So I love the, the definition of, of glory. Just Wikipedia uh, definition of glory. Thanks, Mouse. It says, honor, so glory, is honor won by notable achievements. Or glory is magnificence or great beauty. And so what I love there is like you put that together, we get to display his magnificence or great beauty while achieving notable, while participating in notable achievements. That's, our, that's what we get to do. And dominion, uh, sovereignty or control or a territory of a sovereign or government. So we get to exercise control over his territory, the earth. Now, the, the language of kings and priests, it can be quite removed from like normal Western world, right? Even in the UK, I think kings and that there's, it's not really, really part of everyday life, is it? So, yeah, some of that, I don't want it to be highfalutin language, although it's the language of Jesus. It needs to become real and be made real to us. So what does that look like, you know, when you may be taking your, your kid to school tomorrow or you're going into the office? What does, it, what does it actually look like? You know, it doesn't look like us putting on a cape and strapping a sword to our side, although we did have a very strange character in our youth group about 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> William, do you remember? He, he, he used to walk around with a cape and a, you know, and a sword and that. It's just a little bit strange, you know. We don't get to physically do that. But, you know, what, is, what does kingdom look like? Because life is a mix, isn't it, of those notable achievements. It's these extraordinary achievements, these highs. There's the lows of difficulties. There's the everyday ordinary moments, like yesterday that we had in our home which I want to propose to you are not so ordinary. Um, I think that really needs a, 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 to be re, redefined. And I was chatting with Rich earlier about that, about these, what you think is just like an ordinary moment. It's not. It's actually a sacred moment. And when we start to give value to those sacred moments, you know, before he was saying that, you, you know, you would do certain things of speaking courage into people and you actually speaking courage and God's grace comes behind it. And, 
he was just like, oh, well, I, you know, doing this in the office, but that doesn't really count for God. It's only these things that are the spiritual things. And I think we really need to learn how to divide um, that, sacred, uh, that sacred secular concept. It needs to be completely eradicated because when you go and I saw Gia walking with her little lunchbox earlier. She's so proud of her little lunchbox that her mommy probably packed and made for her, you know? And like when you're making a lunchbox for your child versus, you know, oh, I'm donating my time to the soup kitchen to go and feed the, the orphans and that. And you can over-spiritualize some things and discount and disqualify other things. But they are both beautiful things. They're ministering God's kingdom. And so what does displaying his magnificence, which you read there, or his great beauty look like? What do notable achievements look like? What a kingdom look like? I, I love Romans 14, verse 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. And that's amazing. I want to bring it down to the simplicity of that because I can do that. You know, going about your every day, John 14 speaks about it's just abiding in him. Uh, the righteousness, peace and righteousness, just right standing before the Lord. We're abiding in him. We just stand right before him, um, serving Jesus and one another and in joy and peace. That's a notable achievement. Yesterday, when we were able to bring joy and peace into our home, that is a notable achievement and bringing God's kingdom. And I love the way it finishes off that verse there. It says, anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. It's also a good place to live in joy. <laughs> Serving isn't a heavy thing. And so if we look at Jesus, isn't he our perfect example as a king and a priest? I mean, he comes with ultimate authority in the universe. I mean, he's God. Yet he comes and he serves as priest. You know, King Matthew 8, uh, 28, 18, Jesus, when he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Nothing is higher than the authority of Jesus. So he comes in with that power and authority as king, but then he also comes as priest, ministering to God and as a mediator between man and God and ministering um, to, 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 to man and also coming to serve. So with this incredible authority, he comes to use that authority to serve and not to dominate. And so the kingdom of God looks like serving. Matthew 20 says, verse about 25, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. And then John 13, 
Jesus washing the disciples' feet. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I just did? Jesus said. You've called me your teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just done for you. And then he goes down about two verses later. So now put into practice what I have done for you and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. That's the way of the kingdom. It's serving but living a life of untold blessings when you put yourself in that place. But don't you think we need a new understanding of serving? Because it's almost like a dirty word. You know, would you come and serve, whatever that looks like? And let me be very clear. I'm not talking about coming and serving in the church. Church is like a fraction of our week. Here, we are all wells. Our whole purpose is to go out and do church. Again, chatting with Rich. It feels like I've been doing church all week. No, you bring kingdom all week. It's, it's, it's about getting out there. Um, but it's almost like it's a dirty word. It can evoke negative feelings in us because, oh, is something, what does it mean to serve? Is it going to mean I need to put myself out? And I think we are living in a generation where we are so consumed with who we are and our comfort and, you know, the selfie generation. It's very self-obsessed, right? Um, but the question is that we need to ask is like, how do we actually, our question that we should be asking ourselves every day is like, Lord, love speaking with Chris, just like, Lord, just keep my heart soft, you know? Just like, that's my prayer, keep my heart soft. And the other thing, how are we going to deal with this greatness, this kingdom that is waiting to be poured out on the earth? How is that kingdom going to land on this earth? It can only land through a servant. And so these are the questions we really need to start asking ourselves. Because what happens then? In a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings flows. And so, like Jesus, ultimate power in the universe, he's given us all authority to us. We get to serve from a place of power, of privilege, the privileges of the kingdom, of abundance, of overflow, and enjoy in peace. Not from a place of poverty or lack. And I think when, the, when we think about serving and it conjures up those negative feelings of, um, or maybe just a little bit of a resistive feeling of like, how do I serve? I think what that does is it highlights our, our mindsets of poverty, lack mentality, or that peasant nature, when you actually should be living in the princess nature, you know, that kingly nature, not as a, not in, as a peasant. Just really feel like when we start to live in that authority, knowing who we are, and we get to understand ourselves as, as priests, that we get to serve each other. Everyone around us gets blessed. We get blessed, firstly. It's even that more blessed to give than to receive. We get blessed ultimately, firstly, but then everyone around us gets blessed. And that's what the kingdom looks like. Um, Psalm 67 says, God, keep us near your grace fountain and bless us. All comes from grace. 
Send us out all over the world so that everyone everywhere will discover your ways and know who you are and see your power to save. Let all the nations burst forth with praise. Let everyone everywhere love and enjoy you. Then how glad the nations will be when you are their king. They will sing, they will shout, for you give true justice to the people. Yes, you, Lord, are the shepherd of the nations. I love that. Send us out everywhere, that everyone everywhere will discover your ways and know who you are. It's the Great Commission. Our commission is to be sent out. And it doesn't necessarily mean being sent out of town, you know, the, the, being sent out. I think it's just a, a posture of the way we position ourselves to be outward focused and not inward focused, looking for what I can get, you know. Um, it's, it's what can I give to people. And so I just want to read a, um, a scripture which I feel highlights, it sums up this thing of the authority that we've been given. Um, us serving and the extreme joy that actually overflows from that, from that giving. And it's, it's from, um, it's in Luke 10. Jesus has just sent out the, the 70, two by two, to go out and bring the kingdom, announce that the kingdom of God is at hand, right? It's his message. And it says here, uh, so Luke 10, verse 17. When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Like they were surprised. Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. That's our start. We can never be out about power and notable achievements and it's all about that. That's byproduct. It's part of bringing his kingdom. We rejoice because our names are written in his book in heaven and we are made one with him. This is the true source of your authority. That's where our authority comes from. Then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy, exclaimed, Don't you imagine? Isn't it amazing? Jesus gets overwhelmed with joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay? this mediator between God and man. He just like overflows in joy. And Father, thank you, for you are the Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, and have shared it with these who humble themselves. Yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart and the very way you've chosen to extend your kingdom, colon, to give to those who become like trusting children. Isn't that beautiful? That when we bring a humbled heart to the Father and we become just like trusting children, it's simple, guys. It's not about conjuring up something, something hectic. It's about bringing his life. Sorry, I think I've got something else I wanted to say here. 
Yeah, I wanted to say, just to bring it back to practicality, like what is it, how do you take this kingdom? What do I do tomorrow? That's a very good question. And I think that's the point of my, part of my point of my preach today is to get you to start asking questions. I feel like that's what the Lord's been doing with me. It's like, okay, I'm about to do this. The kingdom is going to look like this. It looks like all these outpourings and this thing of kings and priests needed to be answered in my heart. How does that look? So I'm asking those questions. I don't have it nailed down. I'm starting to put these things into practice. And so what does that look like? There is no right answer for because we're all different. What does it look like to serve for you in your context? Um, you know, we, we read uh, Matthew 6.33, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. What does it look like to seek his kingdom and righteousness and let all of these other things be added? That is the question that I think we need to start be asking of ourselves. How can we actually usher in um, or put ourselves in a position where the Lord can start flowing in our lives in the way that he's really desiring to? And so just very practically, I just wanted to encourage you just in, in three things, in just like, like one in doing that. There's no answer I, I can give to you that this is exactly what the kingdom looks like. There are certain things, you know, go out and make disciples of all nations. There are things that are very specific, but there's other things in your context. What does it look like in your life? And so I just want to encourage you to start digging into the word. Like the word is a rich, rich, rich place, you know, and... So just to, to start in your daily, when I say rhythms, I'm talking about these daily rhythms that we need to start, that we foster in our, in our lives. Get into the word, spend time with him. Prayer, we're going to, you know, foster a life of prayer, which is, looks like what? That, that video I showed you. Did you see that little kid sitting on the father's lap? You know, this two-way conversation. That's prayer. Start asking, Papa, what do you have? What do you want me to do here? What does it look like? Tomorrow, what does it look like this evening when I go home? Start fostering um, a life of prayer. And then just another, like just a practical one is start to journal down what the Lord is saying. You know, some of these thoughts are going around in my mind. Then I journal down what I started off with. And that's what the Lord told me. Now I've got something to peg on. Ah, oh, you know, kings and priests jump out of me. Oh, wow, that's amazing. What is a king? What is a priest? And I start, you start to unpack it. So, I just want to encourage you to start journaling what the Lord says to you, as opposed to a fleeting thought. Because we can pray and we ask the Lord for a million things, but then we don't actually hear what he says back to us. And then we go on to the next thing and life continues. Um, and then the other thing is just start stepping out and risking. Really, it's not going to come from a place of being comfortable. That when Jesus had just sent out those 72, just before he sends them out, when he commissions them, he says to them, now off you go, I'm sending you out, even though you feel as vulnerable as lambs going into a pack of wolves. That's what they felt like. That's the starting point. That's the risking out point. It's like the commission is there. So it's not waiting for a place of, okay, now I'm ready. It's not it's stepping up like you may feel vulnerable like a you know like a lamb going into a pack of wolves but what is the result he sends them out they feel vulnerable when he comes back verse 17 when the 70 missionaries returned to jesus they were ecstatic with joy they had just tasted the fruit of the kingdom you know and so most of the time we need to step out of our comfort zone before things will come so it is a joy it's a joyous kingdom but there are those moments of stretching and uncomfortableness where we actually risk 
and actually step out and pray for a person or, you know, I don't know, just do things against what's maybe me, myself, I, comfortable. And when we step out and we stretch ourselves in that, we get to taste the fruit of the kingdom. And so that serving thing can be a bit of a, can sound like quite a, like she's serving in that. But I just hope that you've gotten the heart of it, of like this, this pregnant belly of heaven waiting to be poured out. And it has to translate and look like serving. You know, where I think there was a Bill Johnson preach, uh, not preach, quote. I wanted to read that at some point. It was like serving, um, it was like ruling with the heart of a, a servant and serving with the heart of a king, something like that. So it's, it's this upside down thing of extreme power, yet we come and we wash feet and we serve. And so that is the way of the kingdom. And so my, my question and I'm gonna leave with us today is, if that is the way of the kingdom, and his kingdom is coming and his kingdom is advancing and it's an ever extending growing kingdom. We need to understand what that looks like. And so I just want to encourage us in our own hearts individually, what that means for you, just to say like, Lord, what does it look like to serve? Like how, what is, yeah, how can I bring your kingdom from a servant hearted point of view? And one of the things that I want to talk about in a, in a couple of weeks is on a financial basis. It's like, Lord, please bless me. Please bless me. We can smell the rain, this blessing coming. But if I don't have my heart right for him to pour out that blessing, it's going to be self-enriching. It's going to be about riches and not about wealth. Wealth shares. Wealth shares. The kingdom is about sharing and generosity and wealth. And so that's just one of the personal things for me the Lord's been speaking with me on, on, on generosity, on finance, on, on all of those things. So... Yeah, I'm going to leave it there, but just to, to encourage you to, to see what that means to you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca.